Welcome everyone to show two. James, we're on show two already. Ah, are we live? Feels like we just did show one. I know, it's pretty fun. I'm pretty excited by this one. Me too, me too. We've got a good guest coming on today, Anthony Dean. We're going to cover Phoenix. What else are we going to cover? Uh, we're going to cover Phoenix, talk racing, um, just kind of talk about how it went. Um, after we talk to Dino too, we're going to talk a little bit about Oldsmar coming up this weekend. Um, but mainly I think we just want to hear from Dino. Get some uh, inside scoop on what he's been up to, some of his personal life. I know he's got some biz big business plans, you know, going on right now. So yeah, he's got his coffee shop. He's recently engaged, about to get married. So we're gonna catch up with Dino. We'll talk to him about Phoenix. You know how he works with Sam, how his training's going, what his plans for this season, and then kind of get into his career about the Olympics and and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, welcome everyone to show two. That's our outline for this show. Um, we really appreciate all the positive feedback we received from show one. Uh, we actually got way more listens than we thought, so that's pretty cool. Um, remember to subscribe if you'd like to keep up to date with our content. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, I was pretty nervous for the first one, so to get some good feedback from people, from everybody, I mean, it's pretty cool. And then we also got some, I won't say criticism, but some helpful pointers from certain people too. We got to point out one thing though first here. All right, people noticed in the title or in the picture. On the Apple Podcast app. Okay, just on the Apple Podcast app. My name was spelt wrong, okay? <laughs> we can blame Jake Sferns for that. He was the one that actually created the uh, photo for us. And the little, I don't know, is that it? You mean, you mean your name's not James Pammer? Uh, apparently not, no. So not we get a people, but for those of you who have uploaded a podcast, it's not a simple fix to go on and change the display picture. So we're working on it. We got our tech team on it. <laughs> we're people the CEOs. We got our tech team on it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, hopefully it works or we're, it works out. We're the big business people. We let other people take it. Yeah, we're the co-CEOs. Yeah. So Phoenix, James, how was it? Yes. All right. So Phoenix, it was surprisingly really good. There was some uh, rain in the forecast leading into it and it was a little concerned. I had my mud tires ready. Um, but oh boy. Luckily, I did. I came prepared, but luckily didn't have to use them. The uh, I don't know who the, ran the track there, Black Mountain BMX, but uh, they tarped the entire track for, I think, two days before. So it poured rain the day before, and then we got to racing on Friday, and the track was perfectly fine. It was good, eh? Fast so, as normal. The yeah, track is and always fast. There was, I think, two soft spots that they were working on, but other than that, it was as good as new. So. so we ended the last show on the rant about the recovery section. Oh. So for those of you that listened to the first show, at the end we ranted about how the warm-up cool-down area is just packed gravel. Mm -hmm. So was it an upgrade, or was it the same? Okay, no. Okay, so the exact same gravel strip was there. Except, so I got a story about it. it was just as bad. It was never used. So about 35 minutes before our first practice Friday, I watched Alex, Drew, and Dana right away go to uh, do their warm-up in the area. In about two minutes, they come back, and uh, Alex has a flat in his front tire. I think Drew had two flats on both tires. The whole recovery station was covered in thorns. That's horrific. So in two minutes, they got three flat tires. I helped Drew pick out about And they weren't warmed up. Nope. It's pretty much worst case scenario. Yeah, so <laughs> all the warm up and cool down was scrapped for the weekend. What'd you guys do before and after that? I, I decided to walk back and forth a few times, and then there's a little brick area, you know, a little brick area by the staging area. It's probably, I don't know, I don't know how to explain how big it is. It's super tiny, covered with people. I tried to do mini circles right there. That's really sick. Yeah, other than that, most people just let it burn in this. In the first lap, first race, you just do a few leg swings and have a crack, eh? Yeah. Yeah, right, right on, right on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, how was racing for you? Racing was okay. I mean, I felt really good going to the weekend. We'd done a lot of supercross. So it was a little bit of a shock to the system when we got on the Am Hill. Um, so it took me, I guess, almost the whole first day to get used to the hill and stuff. Just kind of had to battle my way into semis. And then finally for day two, I felt better on the first straight. But messed up my last moto. Didn't even make it out of motos that day. So it was pretty tough. We had four racks of eight and seven guys. So it <sighs> makes it so tough. You basically start in quarters. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's super much. tough. So that's super. There's no room for error in motos like that. No. Nothing like the first race of the year, and all of a sudden you go into your first lap. You got eight guys. Yeah, we just got thrown into it. That's for sure. No kidding. Thrown yeah. into the deep end. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with Phoenix. Bubba's back. Yeah. Okay. Bubba's back in vet. That's pretty sick. I had no idea he was gonna race vet. It was pretty cool. Everybody was on the Bubba hype train, me included. I think everybody knew when he was on the track because the crowd was going wild. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, there's we've had a lot of stars in the sport, and obviously top guys in the circuit now <clears throat> in the u.s circuit joris and connor and stuff 
I don't think I've ever heard um, one rider lighting up a crowd like Bubba back in the day. He made every track, every time he got on the track, every fan was going wild. It was, it's insane. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever seen anyone like yeah. that. And I was never around for his, I guess, heyday really when he was at the top. But Dude, he was insane. I've heard of it. He was just yeah. a charging rhino. He could win from the back. He could, he could hole shot. Yeah. He could, and the thing is, he was so mentally strong. He could mess up the first main, then go one one, and just like a man on a mission. It was nuts. And I'm sure a lot of the guys who raced him got anxiety when they, he was behind him. I can imagine. He he still looked like a wrecking ball out there. Let me tell you. This one time, my first year of elite, we raced to Soto in 2011. I was in fourth in the semi, going down the last straight. And all of a sudden, I hear the announcer go. And here comes Bad Bubba. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I just started going east to west coast down the rhythm <laughs> section. Barely held him off. And oh my God. Uh, that was insane. But yeah. it's, it's cool to see him back. I'm glad. Yeah, him and Tyler put on a show. I mean, TV's pulling, eh? Yeah, he's pulling. TV's pulling. Yeah, he's been working hard. TV's so pulling. pulling. But yeah, they put on a show. It was cool. And Al's going to Al. Mm-hmm. Elise is going to Elise. Al doubled up again as normal. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. On the first day, it was cool. We had uh, our three Canadian national team riders in the main. Uh, Drew, Dana, and Avriano. So that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Oh, that was dope. Yeah. yeah. Al's, Al's a horse, eh? Yeah, Al's a horse. I don't know. Like, especially, I mean, Supercross is a little different. She's still a horse. But because I think more girls can be competitive on the Supercross hill, the racing's a lot closer. And other girls can win. But on the on USA BMX, dude, I don't see anyone beating her. It's impressive what she's Straight doing. Up. Like, just getting to the first jump. It's incredible. Yeah. She's such a horse. Yeah. And uh, speaking on that, Joris is going to Joris. Same thing. Joris, not much, not much to talk about there, honestly. Not with the winners now. They both doubled up, made it look did like you, a routine weekend. Did they lose both. a lot? Maybe. I, I don't know if Joris lost in motos maybe once or twice. Maybe once? Hard to say because Romain, be eh? Romain won all three of his motos first day. I mean, Jeremy Rancorell, he was there. He was pulling. Rancorell was pulling. Yeah. yeah Rancorell was, was pulling. So, yeah, he got on the podium that, both days, actually. Yeah, the French dudes are pulling. Yeah. And then, of course, our, uh, our guest on the show, Dino, he was... Doing Dino things there. Dino you know, looked good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Dino about Phoenix. He's good on that type of track. A nice flat hill. He's super powerful, and he seems to always do well there. Yeah, yeah it seems like it. Yeah. All right, what do you say we get into Dino? Let's do it. Let's yeah. give him a call. People are tired of us? Yeah, probably. All right, the ones that held on through that boring talk, we're going to call Dino now. All right, on the line, we have two-time Olympian, winner of the Grands in 2016. What else, James? And the uh, front wheel out of the gate goals, man. I don't know what else to say. Thick chested, <laughs> big horse, <laughs> lean, mean Anthony Dean. How's it going, buddy? Good, buddy. How about yourself? Good, good. You just get back from Phoenix. When did you get home? Uh, we drove home Saturday night and got back for around midnight. Damn, it's a long weekend, huh? Yeah. When did you guys drive up? Thursday? We left Friday morning. Who'd you go just with? Who'd you go uh, with? Me, and, me, Elise, and Sam. Oh, okay. Was it a fun weekend? Hello? You there still? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, our studio sound quality is maybe down a little. <laughs> <laughs> How was the weekend? Uh, I wasn't. It was uh, a bit cold on the Friday night, and uh, but I still managed to get a third, so that was good. And then uh, Saturday, just getting used to the long days again, I think was the hardest part of just, you know, being at the track from, from 11 till, you know, 6 o'clock. So that was probably the hard one. Day two was good, though, and... Uh, Made a few mistakes in the final, but got seventh, but happy to be in the final. Yeah, so Phoenix has been the season opener for a while now. You always seem to do well there. Why is that? Like, does it just suit your style? you feel comfortable there or what? I think just a long first straight and uh, flat hill, just more power, more of like tends to do good at those flat hill sort of tracks. So I kind of just like that raw power and sprinting out the gate, you know? Yeah, yeah. So... With your third on Saturday, how'd the rest of the day go? Like, you win your motos and go through the semi easy, or was that something you had to battle through? Uh, definitely on the first day, I had to battle through. It was kind of, um, you know, they got, they got two seconds and a fourth, and then the semi, I got a third, and then third in the main, so it wasn't too bad, but um, Saturday definitely went a lot better. Yeah, you looked like you had a really good first straight in the main on Saturday. Thanks, bro. Or Friday, I should say. Friday, yeah, Friday, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Friday yeah. yeah, what happened in the main on Saturday? I just made some mistakes, hit the gate a little, and then the first jump, I just wheelied too far and couldn't get my front wheel down and then panicked and tried to manual the next one and pedal while I was manualing and made a mistake and went straight to last. Yeah, it's classic first race year. That was brutally tiring. That's tricky, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is exhausting. Yeah. That, that was cramp city. Oh, seriously, yeah. We were talking earlier, Anthony, about the uh, the warm-up area, and this year I oh, think my God, was, yeah. no one used it. All those thorns that were on the uh, warm-up cooling area, yeah. Yeah, it's not the uh, 
not the best place to warm up and cool down, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I've cramped there so bad in the past. Like, <laughs> yeah. last year, before the main on the first day, I remember, someone crashed on the first turn, so we had a bit of time. And so a bunch of us kind of rolled to the first jump, and as I was pedaling back up the hill, my quads grabbed, and I was like, sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so Dina, we're curious, you know, how the uh, off-season went for you. Um, I know Grand's is always one of your favorite races, and then kind of has some downtime before this race here in Phoenix. Uh, what would you get up to in the off-season, and how did that all go for you? Yeah, pretty much from the Grand's, just had a couple weeks off and flew to Australia straight away, um, and then went and uh, worked at the cafe for a little while, and uh, did about a couple weeks there, and then started getting back into training, and um, flew back here um, mid-January, and... Yeah, pretty good off season. Um, been working with Sam a fair bit, well, obviously a lot, and uh, yeah, things are going great. It was uh, feeling good for the weekend and just building into the season, really focusing on uh, you know these World Cups this year and um, putting a lot of emphasis on them. And so yeah, it's uh, it's been good and looking forward to really seeing what we can do together. Nice, yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, being down in Chile here, I see you and Sam working together all the time. Uh, How's that working with him, being a good friend of his and also a competitor back in the day? How's that with him? Yeah, it's really good. We've got a good relationship where we can like be, you know, truthfully honest to each other and he can tell me if I'm sucking and, you know, I can take it as a man and things like that. So it's been really good and we can he can relate really well to what um what I wanna do and what he did and, and just understand the that side of things and, and know when I'm tired he understands what I'm saying. So it's been pretty good, and I'm yeah, more excited just to get more time together and be working together now. Um, you know, I'm going to say six months now. So, yeah, look forward to put another six months in and see what we can do this year's world. No, it's, that's awesome. So, obviously, you guys grew up together, um, both from Adelaide, both the same age, both very successful internationally everywhere. Is it a bit weird for him to be your coach now after so many years of racing each other? Um. I guess it would be if it was like if it was still racing, absolutely. But I think the position that he's in now, it's it's not really weird. It's more so like a um, I've always kind of wished we could train together um, back when he was racing and we were you know racing against each other and we we're competitors. It was almost wish I could have done a lot more sessions with him and things like that to improve myself. And you always wonder someone like Sam, who's you know just destroyed everyone for so many years. You think, what has he done? Why? How is he so much better? Like, why can't I be him? Um, so it's good to just now being able to work with him and kind of learn the inner inner <clears throat> things that he does that make that made him a champion. You know, no um, kidding. So it's been it's really good. I'm actually I'm enjoying the the different side of that. You know, everyone works hard, everyone trains hard, but then there's more to it. You know. Yeah, we want to know what secret things do you do? Because I'm out here in Chula. I'm riding the tracks on like the regular days. But I like never see you guys out here. Fucking cheaters. Yeah, what the hell? You never see us wear on the track? Yeah. Yeah, because it's too, too, it's too expensive. Yeah. It is too expensive. And they did. They raised their prices, I heard, at this training oh, center. I'm I don't think I'm coming back. Oh, that yeah. sucks, man. Crazy. Oh. And you know what? Um, it's, it's probably pretty good you're working with Sam, honestly, because because you guys know each other so well. Like, I'm sure he knows exactly how to get the most out of you, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, you know when you, you're feeling a bit tired one day and you say, oh, you know, I'm a bit tired. He can relate to that. So there's things that we can do to, um, you know, he can understand rather than a coach just says, push through it, you know? Yeah, I mean... He, you, know, you can relate and yeah, so there's, a, there's a difference between, you know, going too hard and, and um yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, he's been through it all, literally everything. Exactly, and he's yeah. learning a lot too, and so it's, it's real good, and he's, he's more so he's very excited to, to help and learn as well as what he's doing, so it makes it um, a fun thing because we're both looking at the computer after every training session, and, you know, he videos everything, and we can see how much we're improving, and it's more of a, a team challenge rather than just do this and let me know how you go next week, you know? Yeah, and he's, he's unbelievably analytical the way he pays attention to every detail. I know from our days um, on Redline together, he would, you know, you would video everything and just meticulous with every detail. Is he like that with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's something I've never done. So it's, it's good for me. It's learning and uh, kind of learning a lot more about myself now. So it's, it's very interesting. And I'm enjoying it. And just, yeah, like I said, looking forward to the next six months and where we're kind of aiming towards. And yeah. Right. Yeah, and sometimes just, you know, coaching change or whatever can just be good to keep, you, keep you motivated yeah. and keep it fresh, right? Um, 
so yeah, circling back, you obviously got on the podium in, in Phoenix this weekend. Um, what what are your thoughts on the the payout for the podium and kind of why it's gone down? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why everyone's showing up anymore. <laughs> it's gnarly, like, hey. It, it just it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy, and that's and that's for the people who live here. You think about foreigners who actually get their tax taken out. You know, I think Jeremy. Romancio, he got he got second and third on the weekend and made eight hundred and ninety dollars or something. And you know, A Pro made more money, Vet Pro made more money, Junior Elite would have made more money. Then he got second and third, and that's to get second and third in the elite class is like unbelievably hard. You got you got to be a badass to get second and third in the weekend. Seriously, you got to straight up be you know, gnarly. Like it's crazy, and you and the expenses to get there are more. Yeah, and it's just, it's crazy, and I just yeah, it's. It opens up a big can of worms. I mean, we've had some uh, some talks with USA BMX, and we have a rider board. Um, there's a few of us on there, and you know we've had chats, but it's really just not really going anywhere. And um, so it's not like we're sitting here being ignorant and saying to um, you know USA FU to USA BMX. It's not we're actually trying to resolve the problem. It's just taking a long time and not really going anywhere. So that's where it's um, not really listening as much. We kind of started the conversation conversation has just gone nowhere so well to so anyone that's listening that thinks that we're just bitching and, <laughs> and not and not doing anything about it and just saying f you usa bmx you're totally wrong because we actually are doing something and we have a riders board under usa bmx and we've had meetings with them so it's just going nowhere wow so who's on the board and what's kind of been discussed um so it's me connor um elise and um brooke crane at the moment um so we had a meeting last year and um, just to talk about everything and how we can improve the sport. And it's, you know, we just give all those opinions, you know, having a pit party, this and that. And, um, just kind of those discussions. And it's just really, you know, it's, we're even going deep as, you know, the pros should be able to get a free um, parking pass on a weekend <laughs> instead of having to pay. Absolutely, absolutely agree. <laughs> spending $260 just to race. Yeah, no, it's crazy. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm, it hasn't really gone anywhere. And, we're meant to have a meeting in January and nothing's really happened there. And so it's just kind of at the stale now. I'm sure we're going to try and send an email out and get one happening in the near future. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, just having that together, don't you think is good? Yeah, you need to start somewhere, right? If we want to start resolving these issues, you need to start somewhere. So We need we need a voice. Group. Yeah, we do. We need a voice. Yeah. We just need a voice we're to We're trying, but it's not really going very far. But all <laughs> we can do is try. It's like a start. No, it's, it's a start. I mean, in the past, we've had nothing like that. So the fact that... You know, the four of you taking the initiative and are doing that, I think is incredibly positive, honestly. And just yeah. to, to, for a voice for all of us, I mean, any organization, that stuff takes a while. So, you know, if you just keep yeah, chipping away, hopefully we can, you know, work better together to grow the sport. Exactly. So and there's a lot of issues as well. You know, you think like it's just the valuation of a pro as well. You know, our value of a double A pro is, is completely gone now, I believe. You've got, you know you got pretty much, you know, A-Pro, Junior Elite, Vet Pro, everyone's on the same level playing field as us. So they get the same exposure. So why should we get more? And I think it just goes deeper than that. You know, you got the Supercross World Cups and that's where our value is. It's only the pros. It's only the, the elite of the elite and it's a show. And, you know, that's how we can get our sponsors, get our national funding. That's how we can show who we are as an elite. When you come to these USA races, it's you're, you're with – all these other pros, you know, the little kid doesn't know me from Bubba Harris to Tyler Brown or whoever it is. So our value just stays very low, especially the USA BMX is, you know, why would they pay us more? Yeah. And, and it seems like, I think, I think part of the reason is in the U S the amateur series is so big and, um, you know, with the nag plates and that kind of stuff, the, the kids really believe that, um, what they're doing is kind of the pinnacle and they don't, they don't really, honestly, a lot of them, I don't think they really care to watch the pros even, you know? No, Exactly. And it's like, you know, I mean, you know, you can say that too, but on the weekend, it's like you're lining up for the final and that whole first rate is fully packed with people. It is, and you look at the Grand Night Show, it's full house. So yeah. I think that, you know, there is that. People still really do care to watch the pros, you know, it's still the pros. I think it's just the way they can advertise, you know, the, all the pros are together, whether it be A pro, vet pro, and not really putting a pinnacle on just the elite. Yeah. yeah, I mean, kids need people to look up to. You yeah. you look up to a pro when you're younger? Oh, all the time, yeah. Watching videos of people, watching them race, yeah. It's yeah, part of it. it's part exactly. of it. But I think that's just the, I think it's just the sad part is this, you know, the sport is, that's how the sport is dying. I believe in, especially in the US, is like you, 
you know, no one's getting sponsorships anymore. And if it is, it's for very little money and no one can really make a living. I mean, I know for myself, it's like you're at the point where you are getting older and you go, okay, well, am I going to keep, you know, whether it be 30, 40, 50 grand, am I going to keep earning that at 28 years old, 27, when that's minimum wage, you know? So and I think that just comes down to like, you're just not put on a pedestal as a pro anymore. Yeah, no, I, know, I agree. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, I know. I completely agree with what you're saying. And that was um, also, we were, we were just discussing before you got on here that um, off before we started recording, at the end of 2016, after you won the Grand, you, you didn't have a sponsor anymore, did you? What was that? At the end of 2016, after you won the Grands, you didn't have a ride lined up, did you? Yeah, exactly. I um, basically, yeah, I won. It was basically the week of the Grands, and um, Dale was moving in a different direction, um, Dale Holmes Racing. And yeah, I basically didn't have a ride, and it took me till maybe the end of January to get a sponsor um, for 2017. So it was like, you know, and that came off pretty much my best year I've ever had. That's crazy. Just went to the Olympics, won the Grands. He's got no ride. What else do you want from someone? <laughs> and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I was speaking to, to people to get a sponsorship. And, you know, some people were telling me like, oh, you you know, I wasn't even asking for much. And people were saying, oh, you, oh, I can get this, this and this for that much. You know, and it's like everyone's undercutting your left, right and center. And I'm not even asking for much. It's like in the normal world, you're getting underpaid, you know. Yeah, I, I don't understand how someone... You're fighting with, you know, 20 other pros who are trying to take a nothing deal. Yeah, why, why do you think that was? Because obviously someone like you, you're a two-time Olympian, you're a threat to podium every race, and um, you had a really good following on social media. So why do you think that at that time it was tough? Do you think it's just because guys were accepting less money to ride and or what? Yeah, I think it's, it's like a two-way two two way sort of thing. You've got, um, you know, just say if I want 20 grand. And you have two people that are willing to take 10 who have half the following I do, half the results, but they get two for one. You know, so a company can get two riders with, you know, half of everything or half the results, but they get two riders. So it's double exposure. Um, and these, and the riders will take it. Uh, so I think that's just where it's what's happening. And then now it's even getting worse where the, the company can half that again and go, okay, now we're going to cut one of these two riders and we're going to get two people for five grand. That's where the sport's headed, and that's why the pros are on their way out, you know. And I think it's going to be very hard for the next generation. I mean, you look at, I'm just going to pinpoint, say, Cameron Larson. He's a young guy. I wouldn't know what he's getting, but I'm saying it's going to be very hard for someone like him who has a hell of a lot of talent, and for him to actually get a really good sponsor and make a living out of it is, you know, I believe is, is I'm not going to say it's done, but it's well on its way out of that being a possibility, you know, which is, to me, is sad and kind of sucks you know it's tough for the kids that are younger yet coming up into this world of bmx wanting to be a pro like what do they have to look forward to right exactly that's the thing i think like you know that's the that's the hard part it's not talking bitter it's just trying to put the sport in the right direction which is what we're trying to do with usa bmx and just make it so the kids look up to the pros and they want to buy stuff that the pros are writing you know not just fully saturated yeah um... that's how the value will come back to the pros and people can start selling stuff more and the riders can make more money do you think with with us and bmx being at the olympics do you think that's do you think that's contributed to maybe the industry down a little in kind of a reverse way or what do you think about that absolutely no i think the olympics is to me is has made our sport so much bigger and and better i know there's a lot of controversy with people talking about that but yeah, i yeah. truly don't think it's made i think it's made the sport way better i mean you've got national programs now without the national programs i can imagine you know the french national team were at phoenix on the weekend there was i think seven guys you've got the canada national team you got whatever national team that came you know you'd cut the pro class in half at phoenix if there was no national teams bringing them over here you know for training camps and things like this so i think with our national teams which is pretty ultimately funded from the olympics there would be no you know there'd be half as many riders these days and and you know how do we go to world cups it's, i wouldn't be going to all the world cups if australia didn't fund me you know yeah so and without without the olympics there is no funding so you know would we all be going to the world cups probably not because then there's the sponsorship dollars are down and you know, it's a snowballing effect. So I think it's it's only good for our sport. Yeah. It's just the way the way we've used it. I think this hasn't been in the right direction to help the sport. Yeah. As far as sanctions, you know. I agree, yeah. I think if and if you've been to the Olympics, you're you're seen in front of millions and millions of people and you're instantly more well known, you know, and so that brings incredible value to not only the BMX industry but any sponsorship. Agreed. Yeah. 
So speaking of the Olympics, let's go on a little uh, more lighter topic here. Dino, yes. we're going to ask you about uh, your 2016 kind of Olympic experience. I know you had some good performances there. You're in the final. Um, Want to get your thoughts on how that went, and then go from there. Yeah. No, no, maybe copy. maybe maybe we'll start with your prep. Should we start with this prep? Yeah, let's go with that. All right, we'll start with your prep. So 2016 rolls around the Olympic year. How are things going? Yeah, good. Uh, well, Olympic year actually start of January. Olympic year, I broke my collarbone in Queens in Australia. Basically, just starting the year, and that kind of set my year off. Bit of panic mode, and so I had surgery on the collarbone. It wasn't, you know, just a normal collarbone break. So it's just, you know, six weeks or whatever, and you're on on your way. But my publication was is about, you know, eight weeks later, I got like an infection in my collarbone with the plate, and then Argentina was coming up in four weeks. And, Holy shit. Um, you know, it was Olympic points, so I couldn't get the plate taken out because when you get the plate taken out, basically you need about eight weeks because the screws are in your bone, things like that. So Jeez. I couldn't really get it taken out. And then um, from Argentina was um, Argentina was uh, Papandal, and then I can't remember what the next one was. So it was so quick because obviously in the Olympic year that the races just go so quick. I mean, the World Cup starts in February and, you know, the worlds are done by pretty much May. Um yeah, See, I, did, I didn't have time to get the the plate removed, which the, there was a staph infection there. So I basically just had to live on antibiotics for the whole Olympic prep from January, which was, you know, just a horrible experience because you, as you can imagine, being on antibiotics for six months it just destroys your your stomach and you feel you're on them for six months. Holy crap! Yeah, for six months. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was bad. It was a nightmare, but um. So that was that was my only option. Otherwise, then uh, you know, going to get surgery and getting it taken out, which would have taken me out of the World Cups, which you just you never guaranteed an Olympic spot. So I just took that risk and decided I'll just take the antibiotics and wait it out. And um, yeah, it ended up getting pretty bad. I mean, if you look at the Olympics, you can you can see a picture. If you can you can zoom in on the final in the gate, you can see blood coming out of my shirt. Is where my collarbone. Seriously. So just, it just kept splitting open, like, oh. and that was pretty much all the World Cups. Was it just it wouldn't heal? Like I, I've got videos and and pictures. I'm, I'm sure some people that are listening followed me on my Instagram or my um, social media around the Olympic time when I was getting surgery on my shoulder. Like they were basically like reopening it and then cleaning it out with all fluid and stuff, and then closing it back up every four weeks. Um, and I, I put it on my Instagram stories, like just getting it done because I had it done about seven times. So I think by the third time I said to the lady, can I video this? And she's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> seven I'm not times. Showing, I mean, some people might remember it, but it was pretty disgusting. But, when did it finally heal? Um, so I pretty much straight after the Olympics, I went to Australia and then um, got the collar, like got the, the plate taken out and then was on like an IV drip for two weeks in hospital. So I basically had to stay in hospital for two weeks straight and they, they had a drip, um, like an IV drip, basically to flush your whole system so you go like every two hours they pump you with something I, i'm pretty sure it's like whatever it is the course of antibiotics but they do it every two hours for two weeks straight so i was in hospital for a pretty much yeah two weeks and live live there on an iv and it basically just flushes your body completely and then um you know the, the staph infection because if you research staph infection it's pretty deadly they're dangerous yeah yeah very like they're very dangerous because they eat at your bones so i just um yeah, lucky that I found out what it was early and um, just lived on antibiotics, and it just kept it. It kept it. It didn't kill it; it just kept it there and didn't spread. It just stayed on the plate basically for six months. And yeah, and it wasn't. You know, it was I went to Argentina, Brazil, so it wasn't the best places to be somewhere with a staff. <laughs> no kidding. I remember we were riding at Chula. Probably got it there. I remember we were riding at Chula before Argentina and you had a bunch of bandages over your collarbone incision. I was like, holy shit, this guy's riding riding the track right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I think I had a bandage on there for a year, like for the six months. I don't like it never came off because it would just, it was basically just like, um, wow. like weak skin, and it would just as soon as you would do a shoulder press, basically it would split open. Um, so I had stitches. I think stitches pretty much stayed in there. For I had stitches in there for three weeks, and then got it clean, and then it was like get it clean, and then um, stitches went back in, and it just I never got rid of the stitches for six months. That's so yeah, that was that was basically my Olympic prep. <laughs> Fuck, that's gnarly. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I I knew you had some issues with it before the season, that kind of stuff. But I didn't realize it was the whole time. Man, that's gnarly. It's a good thing you didn't crash on it. I know. Holy yeah. crap! 
Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's but yeah, other, other than that, it went well. Like training was great, and um, the whole you know being in Chula Vista before the Olympics, um, it was just a great experience. My dad flew over for he's like three three weeks. I don't don't spend much time with my dad for you know I haven't spent time with him pretty much my last ten years of my life. So it's been it was really good him coming out and just the whole Australian team. Like it was just such a great experience going to the Olympics. Um, yeah, it's not other than the result. Um, I can't really talk bad on the whole experience. No, you rode well. You rode well. And honestly, I mean, they can run that main another time and different people might meddle, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You went off through, through all that all that year. Was it kind of a relief when you finally made it to the Olympics and kind of got to go race and probably just try to throw that all behind you for a bit? Yeah, definitely. I think it was like, you know, I kind of knew I was going to be selected. I mean, I was doing pretty good the year before as well and, Australians were getting three spots so it wasn't much pressure on it if I was going to make it it was more so the relief like all right you're on the team you're going and then it was like oh, all right now I can go and give it my best yeah now so I think the, the hardest yeah. part is getting that that word that saying that you're on the team you're a part of the Olympic team you know signed off and from there you have a big sense of relief it's like all right now I can truly prepare for the Olympics no it's true like yeah. once, once you know you can just be like fuck it let's just train and just go all in no matter what because you know the the two years leading up all of us you, you know we're focused on the race we're doing at the time but in the back in the back of our mind we're always thinking about it you know and so when you're finally you know you're going and stuff you can kind of take a breath and just go for it exactly yeah yeah so yeah, good good yeah so your cafe we had a lot of people want us want us to ask you about your cafe we're interested about it as well so how'd you get started with uh, your whole cafe tell us about it yeah, so I basically, like, always, I'm always thinking, I'm always, I always read a lot of books. So, I'm always thinking, like, I want to, want to be in business somehow. I've always wanted to be a businessman, um, you know, after BMX, and it's always been something that's intrigued me. And you know, I seen like, you know, it was pretty much like Liam Phillips. He had his coffee shop, um, you know, a couple of years ago. I think he opened it, and I kind of seen that, and I was like, man, he, he's still racing BMX, and he has this business. It's possible because you're kind of trapped in that world where you can only do one thing, and that's where the you know that's where I was kind of with BMX and I seen that he did it and still did BMX and it kind of gave me a like oh you know maybe I could do this too so I started planning it for for about a year and um, my sister runs a restaurant herself and I was like you know what my sister would be really good at this and um, she could run everything while I you know do the social media and just get people there and I had this great idea of how I think it could be successful and you know I think us. BMXs or any sports athletes that travel the world like we live in coffee shops and we see we just see so many I think you know just myself I've seen a thousand different coffee shops styles what I like and what's successful what's not successful and you see when one's busy and one's not busy you know so I think I, I gained a fair bit of knowledge over the years um, from traveling and I thought you know what I could do this so um, talked to my sister and she's on board and, and then um, you know I ended up uh, meeting my business another business partner and um, they, they own a few cafes before I just approached them and we all, you know, had a chat one day and it kind of just, um, went from there. I kind of had that, had those people mentor my sister and kind of teach her the things and, and teach me a little bit. And then we just started looking for a location and all of a sudden, um, a location popped up and we took it and here we are now. So it kind of just all happened a lot, a lot quicker than I thought, you know, it was probably about a I'm going to say eight months from me saying like I want one to actually having one. So it was all I can say is you just go for it, you know? Yeah, that is pretty quick. And I've seen it, all your pictures and stuff online. I've seen its Instagram page. It looks fantastic, I must say. I don't think we're going to get to try it anytime looks soon. Looks good. Looks, yeah, really looks really good. good. Yeah. Thanks, boys. What's, yeah. what's the angle you guys wanted to go for? Because you're a restaurant too, right? Yeah. So basically like, um, you know, you go – for instance, you go to go get a good coffee. So you go to a good coffee shop and they basically just sell good coffee and pastries and that's about it. Then you go to a good breakfast restaurant and they sell shit coffee. <laughs> True. You, you got to choose, so, choose so good so coffee thinking, and good why breakfast. Why don't you combine the two, have a place that sells really good breakfast, but the coffee is also amazing. I like it. And, you know, and, and a lot of people are doing that nowadays, um, but not a lot of people don't. So there's a couple of people that do. It's just the market, I believe, has just started to take off now of having both because why not? If you're good at one, why not have the other? So, But 
on board of that, having a kitchen is, is a massive, that's just a whole other ball game, um, which blows my mind that good restaurants don't have good coffee. I can see the other way around. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that kind of just, that was my idea. And I was like, man, I can bring that to, you know, a good area that's, that doesn't have this. And I just did my research in, um, in Australia and found a place that was just, didn't have, there was coffee shops around as there always is everywhere. You know, there's a coffee shop every, every corner in Australia or here, but not many people had that coffee and breakfast. So I found the location and there was, you know, my biggest competitor was probably five minute drive away and it was just a perfect location and we just done it up. You know, the area is a medium class area and the cafe is a high end looking cafe. You know, we have all marble and everything looks really nice. So it kind of works well for the area. James, how many times have you been places where we've been like, so you want to go for a good coffee and a crap breakfast or a good breakfast and a crap coffee? Yeah. You're always having to exactly. pick one or the other. Like, seriously, we've had that conversation so many times. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. should go for you the know, good how, coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many times do you go for, for breakfast and then walk down to the coffee shop or you go get coffee on the way and, and things like that? And that's, I was just like, man, why doesn't anyone do this? Why don't I do it? And then, you know, I just thought, shit, why don't I do it? And then here we are. It's like, fuck, I've done it. <laughs> no, it's, that's, that's so cool you've done that, literally. Yeah. I, that's something I've always kind of wanted to do. Um, how is it with racing? And you know what? So you, you're doing both right now. Do you want to do both for a while? Or what do you kind of think about that? Like, what are your future plans for it? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Like, I've, you, I put in, you know, you, I put in a lot of work getting it built, which, which saved a lot of money because I kind of project managed it myself. So it was, um, that probably saved me about 30 grand right there, project managing myself. So um doing that and then going home for christmas and helping out while i'm there and i got a really good like two business partners my sister and someone else is like i can't like i can't stress how good it is to have them because they can handle the business for me when i'm not there and um like it's it's definitely hard being away from it um but at the same time it's like a good knowing that you have something there still to work on. And I mean, I work on it every day, at least two hours a day, I'm doing something for it, um, which breaks up my, you know, just training and, and watching TV and stuff like that. So I'm always working on it. I'm planning to open another one, you know, in probably, I'm going to say the next six to eight months. Um, and then that's just, it's just another one. And I think I'll, uh, you know, probably do, well, I will do the Olympics in 2020 and probably end of that year, I'll, I'll look at, you know, moving on and just depends where the sport's at. And, hey, if I win gold, I'll keep going. But <laughs> if not, we'll probably uh, hang it up and, and move on. But, yeah, just kind of setting up the future. And, you know, it's all I can really say is, like, why not? You know, it's that's the hardest part is we always trapped in this, oh, you can only do one thing. But you really can, you know, if you have a right team around you, which I have, and i got the right team and it, it can be done, you know. Yeah, I mean, if... If you're planning to open more, that must mean it's making some money, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, it's gone good. So it's it's definitely, you know, you just, if you have a good plan and, and then hit the market where you need to hit it and just nonstop at it, you know, I think I haven't stopped. Like we've, you know, been open now seven months and I don't I haven't missed a single day of social media or I haven't missed a single day of advertising. Like I've done it, you know, just been in, been non-stop at it and i think it's just like bmx that what you put into your bmx is put that into your business and it's gonna you know if you're smart enough it's gonna work out so it's going really well at the moment i mean we our first our first month of opening the first four weeks did like crazy numbers that well well beyond our budget and um sorry our projection and you know of course it's going to go down after that but we're now back on the rise to what those numbers were and it's just yeah i mean cafes don't last forever but when they do thrive, they thrive, you know? Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Awesome to hear it's going so well for you guys. So speaking of going well, Thanks. also, we, you got uh, engaged. Was it just the end of last year? We want to find out who this mystery woman is. Yeah. Who's this lovely lady? Do you know? We had, we had no idea you are even in a relationship. That's awesome. Thanks, boys. Yeah, yeah no, um, we've been kind of, um, like, we've been friends for a long time now, but say like four or five years. And we just, she's almost just been like my best friend for the last five years. Like I've always talked to her every day, but never really been in a relationship because I never knew if I was going to be in Australia or not. Um, you know, and she just always stuck by me and supported me. And we never, we never really dated. We just were kind of really good friends for so many years. And then, you know, it was probably the start of 2018. We just kind of got a little bit closer and, 
and uh, started really just, you know, trying to commit to her and things like this. And then, um, you know, since pretty much opening my business, you know, eight months ago, it was like she's just been there every day and supported me. Like, you know, she has her own business as well and she's, you know, she's 26, she's an entrepreneur herself and she's she's got her own business that she runs and she works seven days a week and in that she was helping me with my business and just like just being like your best friend but someone who you can also count on yeah just you know I figured that I've been away for so long and um you know we get along so well and I just knew that I would never find another girl like her and um I knew that it was almost you know she's waited for me for four or five years and I'm just here doing whatever I want and training and racing and traveling the world and meeting people and doing just being a you know a 26 year old guy and she was just stuck by me and I thought you know what I don't see myself with anyone else and you know why not um lock her down and I'm gonna be in America <laughs> all, all this year and she's okay with that and she's never questioned me she's never never made my life hard and you know I, I figured I'm gonna be here for the next you know seven months and she just it's almost like she deserves it and I want to just set that part of my life up and be secured with her and not just have her hanging anymore and, you know, just leave her hanging sort of thing. What a guy, James. What a guy. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, we're really happy for you. You know, me, James, and our whole entire business organization of Coffee Chatter here. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> now, we're really happy for you. As soon as I saw that, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, we're, we're very happy for you. Thank you, boys. And, she, yeah, she's not um, – She's pretty like anti-social media as far as herself. So she doesn't really like doesn't she doesn't. I mean, I think she's got like four photos on her own page. Like she doesn't even doesn't even want to post. And I posted her once, and she'll like I'll put her on my story, and she'll like take me down. I don't, I don't want I don't want anyone to see my face. Like she's just very like very weirdly cautious on social media, and she just I don't know. It's like and then I've just had no reason to post her. And, I kind of use my social media for business as, you know, my business and also BMX and I don't post too much personal life on it. Like I don't have my family on there and things like this and, you know, she just doesn't question it and, you know, I've, but I figured if I'm getting engaged, I better let the world know. <laughs> <laughs> let the ladies out there know. That, Dino's off yeah. the Dino's market. taken. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't do that, I would have got shot. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Speaking of shot, go to the quick shot questions. Yeah, let's go to our next segment of the show, the quick shot segment questions. So, so do you know this uh, segment? It's called the quick shot questions. So they're quick and short questions. So you can answer in like a sentence or like a one word sentence. Just make it quick. All right. All right. I'll start us off. So these are half of these are from uh, fans of yours. So at Nicola Fleming, how does it feel going up for the main at the Olympics? Nervous, but good. <laughs> Nervous, but yeah, that's a pretty good answer, yeah. Uh, this one was from Zed Hermanator. Mr. Big Herman. Dave. Big, Big Dave, Dave Herman. Dave. Yeah. He said, did you consider picking lane three in the Olympic final? Not for a second. I should have, but not for a second. When I was going up, I didn't even uh, I didn't even question if I should go lane three. But in hindsight, yes. Yeah, but me at the time, like, you're feeling oh, good. Yeah. You won your semi. Like, you have no reason not to. No, yeah. And so, I mean, I came off five wins. I went, you know, I won the last two quarters and then the whole three semis. And I just felt, you know, I felt worst case scenario that at that point I was, you know, got a bad start and me and Sam were going to drag and I'd follow him in for a second. And best case, I'd get the whole shot. And then worst, worst case hit and I got last. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought a little bit. It doesn't about that. always work out, but I wouldn't change the gate pick. Um, you know, at the time I just... I was like lane two straight away, as close as I could get to the inside, and that was it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, I had a similar thing in the Olympic final. I picked five because I just yep. wanted to go as inside as possible and stay inside. And Connor was in six, and I was thinking, oh, if I don't go out, I'll just go inside or whatever. And in hindsight, maybe I should have picked six, let him in have five. But you can't live in what ifs, you know? That's it, because you could have got the perfect gate too. Exactly, right? So you just go with it. I like your answer. Yeah. Um, from David Bittner, will you be staying in America after you hang up the clips? No, probably not. Fair enough, yeah. I don't know if I can ask you this next question, Anthony, but it is, who's the hottest girl on the BMX circuit? <laughs> <laughs> I think I get shot from the from their husbands. <laughs> <laughs> not his, not his yeah. fiance, the husband will shoot him. Yeah, all right, well, yeah. fine. How about no, I'll, I'll get taken out of something. <laughs> How about a celebrity crush? Um, Celebrity crush, shit. I'd have to say Megan Fox is the hottest girl. Oh, yeah. 
I just oh, actually, no, no, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer Aniston, yeah. Good. I'm only 27 now. It's, I'd marry her now. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Transformers the other day. Megan Fox, yeah. I, I yeah, like that too. She's, she's definitely a 10. <laughs> um, at Mitchie.38, what do you think of the World Cup in Australia next year? Yeah, I can't wait. I think it's awesome that we get two World Cups in Australia. There hasn't been one there for like, I want to say, 10 years. Um, so that's going to be good. Locations aren't the best, but hey, in my backyard. So I'm going to be going back there in December this year and definitely be getting some track time. Right on. Uh, next one. Favorite event of the year. Favorite event of the year. What would it be? Favorite event of the year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, World Championships, I think. Just that energy that you get going to the Worlds is the mm-hmm. best. Yeah, I agree. That's a special one, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you decide to move to the U.S.? Uh, in 2013, so I would have been 21. Um, yeah, that's when I decided. I, I probably decided a few years before that, but when I actually made the move, it would have been then. Yeah, okay. Uh, from at Jordy's 210, disc brake or V-brake? Um, I have never actually tried the disc brake, so I can't bash it yet, but I'm V-brake. <laughs> I'm a V-breaker for now, but yeah. So now that you're engaged, do you see kids in the near future? Yeah, I probably do. Probably kids, maybe like in three years. Yeah, it's a good Two time kids. frame. Good time frame. Yeah. Uh, favorite cheat meal? Um, cheat meal. Fuck. Probably just a burger. Yeah, that's mine too. Pretty stock. Yeah, yeah that's mine too. Enough. All right. Uh, this is one of the uh, double shot questions. So, your favorite supercross track you've ever raced and your favorite Amtrak you've ever raced? So, small hill supercross track. Um, supercross track would probably be. I really like Argentina for some reason. Um, I like that track. It's just kind of fast, but also a little bit uphill, so it's not too quick. I'd probably say that's my best supercross. Best amateur would be, I'm going to say the Grands. I just love the Grands track every year, even though it's not a permanent track. It's pretty similar. So I really love like that sort of style track. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you're successful on it too. Yeah. Um, from Will Thomas, who were you looking up to as a kid and what – do you do to give back to the next generation of riders? That's a double shot also. And double, double shot. <laughs> Damn. Um, I used to look up to Luke Medill, who's Australian. Yeah, yeah. Australian BMXer. Some people would still remember him. Um, yeah, he was like my idol when I was a kid. Um, so I pretty much looked up to him. And then what I do now is I, I mean, I run just like all of us really. We do coaching clinics and things like this. And I try and do giveaways on my social media every two, three weeks if I can. And, do number play i try and you know get my sponsors to help me make like they make you know a bunch of number plates that i can you know i can't give them away for all of them for free because they actually cost money to make but i do you know at christmas time every year i've done a gift pack basically so you know it cost me 40 dollars and i sell it for you know 50 60 dollars including shipping and sell that and they can get a jersey and shit like that so that's kind of my way of giving back as much as i can other than doing free clinics you know which is (laughs) Doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so we got one last question here, a little added question. This is from Amuse73, Adam Muse, Canadian coach. Uh, Tori and I walk into your cafe and you to apply for a barista job. You can only hire one of us. Who do you hire? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say I would hire Palmy. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> only because I think I think... Palmy would put his head down. He'd make the coffees. He'd be a little bit like he'd smile at people and he would make the coffee. But I feel like Tori would be the guy that's hey, how's it going? How's it going? And he'd do a relationship and then I'd be like, Tori, get back to work. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I can, I can see Palmy just putting his head down, punching out the coffees. Hell oh, yeah. Palmy would be fucking grinding. I'd be yeah. putting out plenty and not like That's what Starbucks we need. Crap. That's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We really appreciate your time tonight, Anthony. We really appreciate and really enjoy actually hearing your story and about different stuff you've been through about your business and stuff so thanks for a lot for coming on the show man yeah thanks thanks for having me boys all right man good luck in oldsmar next weekend see you there thank you boys see See you boys bye hell of a guy that was great yeah yeah great little what was your favorite part Mm, i like to hear about his cafe you know there's not many people in our sport that have ventured off into something outside of the bmx world i think liam's one of the few people so to hear how quickly it came about and basically his whole his goals for this cafe is uh, it's really cool. It sounds like he's doing a great job with it too. So 
How about the bandage on his collarbone for seven months? That was an incredible story. Dude, I had no clue. Dude, what if he crashed? Yeah, yeah. He Dirt gets in there? Face. Dude, you, you, could be, you could be really screwed. Mm-hmm. It's crazy though. None of us, I'm sure, people listen to this. Nobody had really any clue. No, I knew before that. Argentina because I was in Chula, but I thought it was just kind of that. And yeah, I mean, I came down for a couple of weeks with you and saw him riding there, and he looked perfectly fine. And clearly, he was able to race fine, but that's something pretty gnarly to have to go through. <sighs> Dmxers are gnarly, man. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So we got Oldsmar next weekend. Yeah, Oldsmar coming up. Oldsmar next weekend. What do you think Dino's gonna do? Um, well, I mean, he was looking good in uh, Phoenix, so I'm sure he'll be able to put it back in the main. Um, we got a few Swiss riders I've seen that have been there already. They're practicing. Graf and Blanc. Uh, Graf's going to yeah. be on the podium, and I think Blanc's going to be in the main also. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting. We're back to the Supercross Hill, so I really think that's an equalizer for a lot of people off the start. You know, flat hills sometimes separate people who are a little more powerful. Some people who are, you know, a little weaker spin the legs a little better. So it'll be cool to see everybody back on the Supercross Hill again. Dude, that's World Cup number one. Every year that's World Cup number Pretty one. Pretty much, yeah. All the foreigners come for this you one. You have like 50, 60 guys. You got no Moto Phil. You got nope. all the national teams. Yeah. And that's World Cup number one. It's ridiculous. We've talked about this in the past. All right. All these Europeans need to stick to their races. Stay over there. Yeah, we'll stay to our continent. Stay over there. Right. We'll meet at the World Cup. That's all we need to do. We don't need to race and no. take each other's money. No, we don't We'll need stay that. here. You guys stay there. <laughs> Don't um, come over here. Yeah. We've got enough fast guys here. We're fine. <laughs> we don't need you. We don't need that. You okay? can stay in Europe, make your money. We'll make our money here, and then we'll meet at the World Cups. Oh, <laughs> uh, so much nicer. Oh, uh, be like so that. much better. Do yeah. they still have that roller in the first straight in Oldsmar? Yeah, I think the only thing they've changed on the track is the rhythm section. So that first straight is just all out sprint. <laughs> uh, so that'll be interesting. But hey, at least we have a good warm up and cool down area. We're not on gravel. We got a beautiful facility. Polar opposite from Phoenix, a yeah. warm up area. Oh yeah, Oldsmar is a beautiful facility. I love going there. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm yeah. bummed to miss it this year because that place is, is sick. Yeah, and it is home to the Answer BMX family, S squared Claiborne. Shout show. out John Sawyer, Answer S squared Claiborne baby. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the team will be there, so that's always exciting for us too. Before we wrap up the show, we got the rant. The rant of the night. This is Tori brought this up. This is a rant. Night. This is a very good rant because it really pisses me off. Dude. BMX is posting when anti-doping comes on your story. Okay, first of all, we're all in the whereabouts. We all get tested. Like, you're, you think you're so important <laughs> like, that you need to post, oh, I'm getting tested. I'm so fast. Like, cool, bro. No one gives a shit. We all get tested. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to see you with the little time stamp saying yeah. 6 a.m. Oh, anti-doping, I guess I'll pee. We <laughs> all get tested. <laughs> We don't care. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Post about no. It. You don't have to show your little two pee bottles. Okay, we get it. You know, you know who you are. Yeah. We don't need to call anyone out. You know who you are. It's it's people like you. It's people like I you. I think we should call some people out. Oh. Tuan, you're the last one we saw. If you're listening to this thing, okay? Jo- Joris Harmson, he's the one who inspired me to do it. I think they were tested on the same day. I think so. Yeah. They had a, you got to post about it. You got you, that's you clearly you know have what? to post, but everyone has to know you're peeing in a cup. You got to let them know. Same day they came to both of them. And okay? it's not just you two. Because <laughs> I know someone's going to hear this and tell you we talk shit. Yeah, that's okay. But we're not necessarily all just talking shit on you. It's everyone who does it. Yeah. That was just the catalyst for this rant. Yeah. You guys just inspired us for this one. You did. Yeah. Um, so that was a good show. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. That was show number two. So remember to listen if you want and subscribe if you want to keep up to date with our new podcast. Yeah. It's a, we've had some great feedback so far, so keep uh, letting us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear next, and uh, you know, leave a comment maybe of who you want to hear on the show next, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll get someone next week, and we'll have another show next week after Oldsmar. So good luck in Oldsmar this weekend, James. Yeah, thanks, pal. See you, boys. Later.